This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to the Human Animal Connection Show, where we believe we can communicate with all animals. Join us as we explore the 33 principles and healing methods of the human animal connection. As animal lovers, we know that you share our commitment to making the world a kinder place for all creatures. Together, let's embrace the transformative healing power of the human animal connection. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Human Animal Connection Show. I'm your host, Michael Overly, and I'm with Jeannie Joseph, and we've got, yes, another fantastic episode for you. Hey, Jeannie. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> oh, I keep getting better every minute. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we have three dogs in the house. We have a visiting dog. We're doing some healing with a uh, a rescue that was adopted from the reservation. So we're we've had fun with three dogs in the house. <laughs> Ah, uh, in, indigo hurt her wrist or something. She's uh oh, she's, we're trying to keep her uh, down a little bit, and then she uh, and I got charged by a, a pit bull that dove out of an SUV at us oh, when we were walking no. yesterday. So that was oh, interesting. Oh, so yeah, we're we're trying oh, to just chill. Okay, you yeah. both okay? You both? Okay? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. 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 I, I I turned around and charged the dog back because oh. I wasn't going to get bitten in the butt. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, today in episode 114, we are entering, or actually the subject is opening the door to animal communication. So this is an introductory conversation for those of you who've had some experience with it. For those of you who are new to it, that's just fine. Um, we got to start somewhere, right? So the, the basic principle that we have in the human-animal connection is this idea that animals are communicating all the time. It's just that we don't always know what they're saying. So, some of it is us learning their language, and some of it is they're learning ours, and some of us as we meet on a third level, which is the level of, of pure awareness, pure consciousness. It's a very exciting realm. So, I recognize that that for some people, this may be a whole new idea, the idea that we can uh, communicate with animals. We know we talk to them. We say, good doggy. We're always, we're, we're communicating also in different ways, but there can be a level of communication that's really transformative. And that's what we're all about. And we, we wanted to start with the seven principles to opening the door to animal communication. So this is a, a place for people who maybe are hopeful that animal communication is possible, but maybe you're not convinced, which is just fine. I don't think anybody should be convinced until they've had an experience that is compelling and you know changes people's minds. So that's just fine if you think that this might be um, a stretch, you know, mentally emotionally, spiritually, <laughs> but we want to take you on that stretch. We believe in stretching, right? <laughs> so, the first principle is that we ask our students to consider the possibility that animal communication is possible. So, that's step one is just to say, I don't know if it's true, but I'm willing to consider that it might be true and maybe other people can do it. And if other people can do it, maybe I can do it, you know, because it really isn't, uh, doesn't require any like psychic ability. It, it just requires intuitiveness and the ability to listen. So, we're going to kind of walk people through those steps. But I, I say to people that if you could just just consider it. Maybe you're past the consideration stage. Maybe you're in the believing stage. If you're in the believing stage that animal communication is possible, then I'm going to ask you to trust it. Trust your own ability to communicate with animals. So, the biggest obstacle we find for students who are approaching animal communication is self-doubt. The idea that I can't do this or 
I'm making this up or it's just my own voice. You know what I mean? So that is the major hurdle is to do is to understand the difference between receiving information and giving information. So we'll, we'll talk more about that. So the first step is just the willingness to consider or believe or trust that animal communication is possible. The second step is to consider that you can do it, that this is something that you can do. It's not just something that I can do or my teachers can do or the experts can do, but this is something that, um, you know, I, I think it was Wallace Black Elk who said, you know, there was a time when we spoke to the animals and the animals spoke to us, you know, so this was part of the culture. And so children were born with this ability and didn't lose it. You know, a lot of children have, you know, before the age of six or seven, they can do this. And until somebody tells them, oh, you're making it up, or that's just imagination or something like this, where they start to hide it and then they lose it and then they can't do it. So we want to recapture that childlike innocence that that believes or knows or trusts that it is possible to communicate with animals. Did you ever have an experience like that, Michael, for yourself as a child? Or did you? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't have known how to classify that right. as a kid, right. but um, it was just natural, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what we're talking about here is a natural process. It's actually unnatural to think that you can't talk to them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, it's just that our culture hasn't supported us in this, hasn't trained us in this. And, and so, now it takes some training to get back to what is natural. And that's what we're all about. So, the second principle has to do with believing that it's possible for you to consider that possibility if you're just getting started, to believe it if you're further in that track, and if you're even further along than that, to trust that this is something that you can do. And this is going to be a lifelong practice, you know, because um, like learning any language, you know, you can learn some basics and maybe, you know, order in a restaurant or something, but to be fluent, you're going to have to be practicing. And so, I'm always practicing and learning and, and, you know, the animals will teach me to perfect my communication skills. So, this is not something that you get to like a diploma and you're done. <laughs> this is a way of life. It's a lifestyle. And that means that you, whenever you have the opportunity that, that feels appropriate, you explore it. You, you say, you know, like there's a, you know, sometimes I'll watch a dog walking down the street with other owners and I'm not even near that dog and I'll just, you know, tune in and see if the dog has anything it wants to say or, you know, just have a little moment. And sometimes it's just a simple moment of just acknowledging. And usually the, do the dog will just stop and look at me like, what? You talking to me? <laughs> You know, like there's a sort of surprised at first and then they get used to it that, that this is I'm somebody that does this. <laughs> and it's just really expands your world. So the third principle is, again, remember I mentioned that the, the number one obstacle is self-doubt. And so we are going to be in a process of both trusting and refining. So it's a dual process. When I say trusting, I mean trusting your intuition, trusting that you are hearing something. Now, in the beginning, it's possible that you might be mishearing, meaning you might hear your own thoughts or your own perceptions or your own prejudices or, you know, your own uh, perceptions or projections. That is definitely a part of the process is that we are in a refining process. And what we want to do is in step four is we want to begin to experience the, the sensation, the difference between sending a thought, which is like thinking, you know, ordinary thinking, and receiving a thought, which is like listening. 
So it's the difference between, you know, I can dial a number and I can call you up, Michael, and I know what that feels like, or I can have the phone ring and I pick it up and I listen. So the difference between generating a call and receiving a call might be a good metaphor to think of this. And it's very subtle at first. At first, people are like, well, I don't know what the difference is between my thoughts and my, and my receiving. And so that's a stage of development, a stage in the learning process in step four, where we are really paying attention to uh, what it feels like to think and to you know, generate from between our ears versus what it feels like to receive. And receiving may even come from a different place in your body. You might feel it in your heart or in your stomach or, you know, who knows where you're going to be feeling it. The native population talks about hearing from the feet, like they can hear from the feet like elephants do. They, they, they hear, um, uh, you know, the uh, sounds and rhythms from the earth and from other elephants from their feet. You know, they feel that sensation. So, we are expanding the idea of listening to be something beyond just what we think of with our ears, you know, hearing words with our ears and hearing or feeling from our heart. And it, it, it doesn't have to be the heart, but I'm just to use that example is that we're, we want to really expand the notion of what listening is. So I'm going to say that, that listening is peaceful receiving. Listening is peaceful receiving. What I mean by peaceful is that we're not imposing an emotional state or desire. You know, I want this dog to love me. That's not listening. And receiving is what, how does the dog feel is just really experiencing what that dog wants to share. And so that's a really important distinction that's uh, subtle, but, but really changes the whole game plan, really changes the whole game plan when we can do that. Does that make sense? Yes. I was at a uh, out. I just pulled up to an outdoor gear shop here in Fort Collins. Yeah. And when I pulled up, there's um, some guy. His dogs were sitting outside waiting for him. Uh-huh. And I was like, "Yay, dogs!" Yeah. So I get out and I go heading towards the door, but I hit, instead I hit I beeline for the dogs, and I got dude, don't. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I, I like stopped. And I'm like, but all dogs love me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I, but it was very strong. And yeah. I said, I just I stopped and I I stood up tall and said, okay. And then yeah. he he relaxed again and turned away. Right. Excellent. Um, Excellent. Excellent communication, you know, and, and that turn away is the end of the sentence. It's like the exclamation mark when the dog said, yes, so, you know, you got it. You yeah. may leave now. <laughs> you may leave now. <laughs> well, that's terrific because so many people don't hear that and they come, oh, you're so cute. Oh, look at the good doggy. And, and, and maybe that isn't what the dog wants. You know, some dogs, of course, love that and enjoy that. But not all dogs enjoy a stranger coming at them or petting their head or, you know, reaching over them. These are not necessarily something that every dog wants. And so it's really important to listen and respect their wishes. So good for you, Michael, for getting that because that could have been a bite, <laughs> you know, you know, it could have been something really unpleasant and, and, you know, not, not a bite wouldn't just hurt you. It would hurt the dog in terms of his future or the owner's future. So, you know, we want to prevent um, humans making mistakes that, that in some cases cost dogs their lives. You know, we see that all the time that that happens because the human didn't listen, didn't pick up the signal that the dog was communicating and they missed it and bad things can happen that way. So, you know, again, just going back on, on principle number five, this idea of listening and perceiving with all the senses, so that the notion of, of listening is not just being an auditory thing or not just being a visual thing, but being a perceptual thing. So the whole body will experience it. So let me just ask you, when you got that message from the dogs, on the, did you feel it anywhere in your body or how did you 
Did you hear it? Did you feel it? Did you sense it? Where did, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was like a little gut punch. Yeah. Like solar plexus. It was like, it was like oh. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So that's an example of listening, you know, because your intention was, I'm going to go say hi to these dogs. Dogs love me. I love dogs. It's going to be fun, right? That was your thought. That's the thinking. And then you were fortunate that you perceived or listened and got the messages. No, we don't want to be approached. Stay away, back off, you know, and immediately heard it, (laughs) felt it, sensed it. And that's what we're, that's the difference between receiving a message from a dog and thinking because the thinking was i'm gonna go pet these dogs dogs love me i love dogs this could be fun but not necessarily for the dog so you heard it you perceived it yeah. you felt it in this case your gut and so when we you know are learning what we'll find is like for me often one of the ways i can tell is thinking is very logical and linear like it's sentences and you know has a beginning middle and end and a grammar and all that a period or an exclamation but when animals talk to me Often, not always, because some animals will talk to me in full sentences, but often animals will talk to me. I call it a data download. Like it's like the whole thing, like a whole movie in a second. I get the the whole message in one instant, not in a linear sequence of subject, verb or whatever, you know, adjectives, whatever. It's, it just is all the, you know, I, I suddenly know exactly the whole story in a second, very fast. And the speed of that and the fullness of it, the holographicness of it is one of the ways that I've learned, okay, this is from the animal and not from me. And sometimes also because it's surprising, like you had the idea, the intention was you were going to go make nice with the dogs, but they, they had a different idea, right? So you got that. And that is so important. So one of the things that we learn is some people are very visual. They see images. The dogs will show them pictures. I am, that's not my predominant sense when I talk to animals is visual and dogs are not predominantly visual. So they will often communicate differently to me. You know, each animal um, has its own way of communicating. Each species communicates a little different. So that uh, I call it like radio channels, like each one has their own, like 98.7 or 100.1, you know, they're, they're like a little bit different. They're similar. They're all, they're all, they have a similarity, but they also have a uniqueness, if that makes any sense. And that like with horses, like I work with a group of horses and one horse will communicate to me these very powerful spiritual messages and other horses will just tell me very basic things like, <laughs> you know, they, I, I want more treats, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so it's interesting to see that. So that's one of the things that we want to have our students practice is just paying attention to the sensation. What does thinking feel like? So thinking often generates emotions, right? You know, thinking about something that you feel good about or you feel bad about or you feel stressed about or anxious about or frightened or whatever it is, thinking generates emotions. But this type of communication, uh, it's not emotionless because sometimes it has emotions, but emotions are not the driver if that makes sense. They're, they're not driven by emotions. So, they, emotions come alongside, like you might feel sweetness or sadness if this animal's telling you a sad story. It can be sad. They make me cry sometimes, you know, they tell me a sad story. But for the most part, the emotion is subtler and it just has a different quality to it. It doesn't, it's not sticky. You know how our own emotions are sticky. Like if we get into anger or fear or something, it can really hang in there and st- it stays with us for a while. It's hard to shake it off. It's, you know, we really spin some more thoughts about it and then it gets bigger and, (laughs) you know, it kind of, you know, accelerates. But um, working with animal emotions, it's usually like a very soft, 
flow. It it comes, it's big, and then it, it it goes away. So it has that kind of curve effect, you know. So that's one of the ways that I can tell it's an animal emotion versus my own human emotion, which is very sticky and stubborn. And I'm convinced I'm right about something, you know. <laughs> well, we attach stories to right, the stories. An, an event. We create a story that goes along with the event, and that's what makes it stick so much. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, you know, the animals are less likely to develop. They, they can do it. They will do it, but less likely than we are to develop that story. And therefore, it's just a simple moment. And then when the next simple moment comes, they can change quickly. So if they're upset about something, they want to go out, but you open the door, and now they're happy. You know, it's just like it's just that moment of longing to go out is gone and it's replaced by the oh yay we're going out you know so that fluidity of emotions is something that that is one of the gifts that animals give to us if we're willing to learn that is the the potential for the fluidity of emotional experience because they are much more likely to do that because they're more than likely in the present tense now animals have been traumatized who have had some difficulties they can get stuck just like we can but they're less likely to do it or they're more easily able to release that. So that is something that we want to encourage people to consider. And then our sixth principle is the notion of cultivating the practice of peaceful silence. Because if you're busy talking and thinking, the animal's like, oh, too much noise, right? It's it's not conducive to communication. So if I there's this one horse that I work with, his name is Blue. And he's in this wonderful place where he's a rescue, but he lives this beautiful life now with his herd. And he will only speak to me if I'm in my highest state. Like if I'm nervous or thinking or whatever, he wants nothing to do with me. <laughs> he just ignores me. He does not mean to me, but he just has nothing to say. But if I get myself to, a, you know, what to the best of my ability, a, a peaceful spiritual state, you know, a full awareness state to the extent that I can do, he will converse, he will engage, and he will share with me something that often brings me to tears, because not sad tears, but just, you know, sweet tears, the tears of being touched and seen in a deep way that we crave with humans, but often don't get, you know, because humans are often busy thinking and not able to engage on that level. So, when you engage with animals who are ready, willing, and able to do that, it can be very sweet. It's very tender, very kind. I was talking about this in a different way with, with a gentleman before, and um, I brought it up as, as an idea of being nurturing. Yeah. yeah. Right? And it, that is so hard for us because may, maybe I think most of us really didn't learn how to nurture or maybe we weren't nurtured, but the animals, they just have this innate ability to show up in a nurturing way. Right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I remember we did a program in the women's prison in Hawaii. We brought the therapy dogs in and the miniature horses in and all this. And, and these are women who did not get very good nurturing from their mothers. And they also don't know how to nurture their own children. So they're very confused about what to do with their own children. And so the, the cycle just keeps repeating. And what we found is that they would nurture the dogs. The dogs somehow, it would just be like, you know, we didn't have to teach them. Well, we taught them, but but mostly they felt it. They just knew what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we would talk about that. We'd talk about, yeah. okay, did you get this? No, I didn't get this. Do you give it to your kids? No, I don't give it to my kids. Well, how can we stop this cycle of non-nurturing that, you know, that has 
goes on in family systems. So, um, you know, animals can be very, very helpful to do that. We're going to be doing a program with some young kids later this month who are in, uh, I think, in some kind of dis emotional distress. So it'll be interesting. We're going to be bringing the dogs in, work with them. So. Yes, so the seven principle, and then we'll take a break. Um, but I just want to say the set is really easy three words practice, 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 <laughs> which means that, you know, once you get on board this train of wanting to learn animal communication, it takes a lot of practice. And you may or may not hit it out of the gate the first time, but that's irrelevant because what, what's going to be important is that you stick with it, don't give up, and continue to perfect it. So I consider myself still a student of animal communication, even though I work with clients and work with animals and people pay me money to do this, I still consider myself a student. <laughs> yeah. well, and you should, right? Because yeah. the minute you think you know it all, you're done. Right, exactly. Yeah. You got so, it. You got it. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, let's take a quick break. Sure. Hey, friends. If you like what you're hearing and want to learn more, check out Dr. Joseph's book, the Human-Animal Connection, Deepening Relationships with Animals and Ourselves. Or visit the website, thehumananimalconnection.org, to book an online consultation. Thank you for loving animals. Now back to the show. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, welcome back, guys. We are having so much fun with this. I I didn't even re you realize that what I was doing as a kid was communicating with animals. It was just yeah. this thing that occurred and happened. And um, as Jeannie mentioned, um, you can lose it for a while. And I did. I lost it for years. And, mm -hmm. um, and then I actually went and got trained with someone to pull my head up back out. And uh, it's fantastic. Sometimes I do well. Sometimes I don't. Yep. But um, but it's it's amazing if mm -hmm. if i'm willing to stay open and and actively listen mm -hmm. like just mm -hmm. listen mm -hmm. um it's amazing what i get so yeah yeah you know if i have a day where i'm not in balance or not centered and uh you know somebody will one of my clients will email me and say oh you know i have two dogs and there's pee on the carpet who did it you know <laughs> You know, and, and if I'm not feeling centered or something, I'm not sure. So I have to get myself centered. I have to get myself ready. And then I answer the question and then it, it becomes clear. But, you know, it does require a peaceful state of mind to do this work. And, and there are days that I just have to say to people, you know, I'm, I'm not, I can't communicate today, whatever, you know, I've got something going on. I don't feel well, whatever it is, you know. So this is not like something that is always on. You know, it's not like, you know, it's it's something that you um, t tune into or turn on. But uh, sometimes I, I I won't be expecting it and an animal will start communicating with me. We, we had a bird outside the window uh, the other day and the nest fell and we um, bird was in terrible distress. There were two eggs in the nest and um, we put the, the nest back up on the eaves and the bird came back and to both of us and said, thank you. You know, and I wasn't expecting that. I just happened to look out the window at that moment. The bird was sitting right on the railing, just staring at me. And I heard, thank you. Just a simple communication, you know. So, and that was enough. That was enough to really help me understand. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> so, we, when we talk about animal communication, typically it's this, it's this felt 
noticed, heard sometimes, but heard internally, sense. Most humans, we communicate mostly with words. We're not great at reading body language to begin with. Right. When talking with the animals, what do you mean when you say you can communicate without words? Yes. Like, go, go into that. Yeah. So, um, some animals communicate in pictures, some in words, and some in perceptions and feelings. And so, we want to be open to all. And what I find is students generally have a strong suit. Some people are really good at visualizing. Some people are really good at hearing words. Some people are really good at feeling. But we want to try to expand our range so that we can relate to animals that communicate in different ways. So, other than word communication. So, that would be like a perception or a feeling or sensation in your body. Like you had that feeling with the dog's gut punch. Like they didn't say, stay away from me in words, right? They didn't tell you that, but you felt it as a gut punch in your in your center, your solar plexus. That's an example of communicating without words. So, before, you know, if your mind had to think it through, your mind thought it through afterwards, which is fine. Um, but the point being is that it takes longer to think, to say it in words, don't come near me, then it took for that dog to go boom and hit you right in the gut and say, don't come near me without the words. So, um, there are animals who communicate in full sentences. You can have conversations back and forth and clients will often ask me this to dialogue with their animals and they'll do that. And sometimes they get tired of the words and they'll just go into pure experience, you know. So, um, it isn't, usually these conversations are brief. They're not as chatty as we are, <laughs> but they can chat in words. We just want to be open to the possibility that as a receiver, you might be a perceptual receiver. You might be getting it as bodily sensations as you did with those two dogs. And that was a really important experience, right? Because you realize, okay, I didn't hear it in words. I put it into words afterwards. You were able to articulate it, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that, right? Because you interpreted it through your human thinking system. But it doesn't matter. You got it as gut punch first, and then you were able to connect it to the words. That is, a, you know, really an important notion because as humans, we are very attached to words. We think that the words are primary, which is why people can lie to us because we believe the words. <laughs> you know, we ignore the body language. The body language, you know, somebody goes, I love you. And we say, oh, that person loves me. <laughs> you know? Instead of paying attention to the tone of voice and the energy and the body language and the mixed message of that. And what's so fun about animals is that they generally, not always, but generally communicate coherent messages, meaning I love you is I love you, not I love you, but I wish you'd give me more treats. It's it's I love you, you know what I mean? Whereas with humans, it's like, I love you, but I wish you'd change it about a thousand ways. You know? <laughs> yeah, trained conditioning, right? So. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so... um. I want to tell you one fun story. My teacher, James French, with the trust technique, and he um, had an experience that was so amazing that I, I, I don't think he'll mind me telling the story because he tells it in class. Um, he was working with a woman who had a horse, and the woman also, her daughter had a horse. And the woman, the mother believed in animal communication. The daughter, no way did she believe that it was possible to talk to animals. And so the mother asked, would you work with my daughter's horse? And, and uh, James said to the daughter's horse, because she knew the daughter didn't believe anything at all. She was just putting up with her arms crossed, like, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> oh no, I have to do this now. So James said to the daughter's horse, tell me something that only your person knows. You better tell me a secret or she's not going to believe any of this, right? She'll never believe it ever again. Here's the one time, you know, you got to. So the horse took just a fraction of a second and told James and point turned his head to the corner of the barn and said, 
sometimes she doesn't want to walk to the house to go pee, so she just goes and pees in the corner. Okay, and and James told this girl the story, and the girl was that was it. She was convinced, you know, because nobody knew this except the horse had been watching this process. He had no judgment about it. The horse had no judgment about it, but it was something that completely convinced convinced her because it was a secret. And so, you know, I tell this story because I so admire it. You know, James was such a great animal communicator, and I I when I was first learning, I was like, oh, I'll never be as good as James, and. Maybe I never will be as good as James, but I had to learn that I could be as good as Jeannie. <laughs> you know, so like we talked about a moment ago, we're still in a learning process, but it's really beautiful to be able to communicate with animals in a way that helps the human understand. You know, it's basically about us coming to an awareness that animals have thoughts and feelings and emotions and opinions. And when we communicate with them, we can't ignore that any longer. Yeah, so we I can know try. <laughs> we can try. We can try. So I know we barely touched the surface here. We barely scratched the surface. We're going to continue this conversation in part two on opening the door to animal communication. So we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Oh, I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you for tuning into the Human Animal Connection Show. Please visit our website thehumananimalconnection.org. There you can sign up for our free email newsletter, book a consultation, or check out our blogs and resources. Our best-selling book, The Human Animal Connection, is available on Amazon. And your donation of any amount keeps our nonprofit organization providing life-changing services. You can reach Michael Overly, author of Let Your Dog Lead, Musings on How to Create an Exceptional Life, on his website at dogsandmen.com or email michael at dogsandmen.com. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.